and welcome to episode 234 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for... Synthetic Mandalorian Actor Returns to Stars. Huh? Okay, I am your host Julia Gulia of internet fame dash podcaster, and with me as always is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q Podcaster. I salute you as well. Indeed. Ready, I, ready for some news? Yes, but oh no, as long uh, I want to know what that acronym was about. So, in their first news item, <laughs> it has been announced that uh, Taika Waititi, uh-huh. he of Thor Ragnarok and The Mandalorian. Fame. Directing and... And voicing. Uh, voicing. Will direct and co-write the next new Star Wars movie, the next new theatrical release. Oh my lord. So this is the first indication we've had in a while what their plans are for any new Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Game of Thrones guys aren't doing their series anymore. Ryan Johnson's trilogy hasn't been mentioned by anyone in like two years, so we don't know if that's still happening. We know that they put the movies on hold for a while and they're going to focus on TV while they sort of let the movies rest. Yeah. But this is the first indication we've got of what the next concrete plans for a movie are going to be. So presumably this would follow Thor Love and Thunder. I'm mm-hmm. assuming he'll do Thor next. He'd probably be doing it right now if it wasn't for the quarantine. Mm-hmm. And then this will follow, which means this might still be like three years away. Mm-hmm. But that's the plan. So he's going, to, he's, going to, he's going to get his big shot at directing a big Star Wars movie. That's no, awesome. I, No clue yet obviously as to what it might be about or when it might be said or any of that right probably be another year or two before we hear anything like that um but it's exciting it's a it's a big break i mean he already did a huge marvel movie of course but this is right you know something mm-hmm. else it's a really big deal for him so that's exciting that's really exciting we also have the casting information for the next new dc animated movie so we we just uh just the dark apocalypse war just came out we haven't watched it yet um you, you might recall that there was a mention of an upcoming one being called something. I, no, I'm trying to remember what it's called because I just have the casting information here, not the name. But I think it's called Superman Man of Tomorrow. Okay. Um, we didn't know what it was going to be about. Is it going to be in the same continuity with Jerry O'Connell as Superman? It looks like it's going to be its own thing. Uh, kind of like, you know, every few movies, like Red Sun, every few movies they do something that's its own thing that's not in the bigger continuity. Sure. This looks like the character designs look very Kurt Swanish to me. So I think this is going to be this is going to be like a younger Superman his his when he first comes to Metropolis. And it really looks like it's going to be have, based on the art. It looks like really Silver Age influenced. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be kind of like a classic old fashioned oh, take. Oh, cool. Uh, but the cast is interesting. So some of these names I recognize, although I haven't seen them in anything. So Superman's going to be played by Darren Chris, who apparently. So I've just I've got the blurb here. Darren Chris, who can be seen on Netflix this weekend, starring in Ryan Murphy's new drama Hollywood. Um, Zachary Quinto, who of course we awesome. all know, will be playing Lex Luthor. Oh, dude. Alexandra Daddario. I don't know who that is, but apparently she was in San Andreas. Uh, will voice Lois Lane. Um, I thought this was cool. Brett Dalton from Agents of Shield. Grant Ward will be voicing Lobo. <laughs> and an actor named Ryan Hurst from The Walking Dead, who I think must have joined the show after we stopped watching, Hurst. will be playing Parasite. Um, Hurst? Oh. Ryan Hurst, yeah. The rest of the voice cast includes um, E.K. Amadi, Mass Effect 3, as Martian Manhunter, Neil Flynn from Scrubs, the janitor from Scrubs, as Jonathan Kent, <laughs> and Bellamy Young from Scandal as Martha Kent. So... Some interesting names. Zachary Quinto was a good man. Oh Zachary god. Quinto was a live action Lex Luthor. Would be I really know. Awesome. I was thinking that the um, same thing. Oh my god. Uh, directed by Chris Palmer of the new Voltron cartoon, which everybody loves. Written by Tim Sheridan, who did The Death of Superman. Um, Butch Lukic, Lukic, Justice League, and Batman Beyond, a supervising producer. So this is going to be 
the next one That's coming up in a few months. It's dope. a pretty good cast. That is dope. That so is we, so good. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And that's it for our news. Wow, great bit of news. So what was your comic of the week this week? I can't remember. Your what comic did I of the tell week you? this week was Batman Gotham Knights with an N number two. Yes, yes, I remember. Um, all of them were really good this week, but I'm a sucker for nostalgia and they just they hit me with the right story because I love a good Batman and versus Clayface Boris Karloff, the actor uh, story. And you they even throw Carlo? You said Boris ba- Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> Basil Carlo, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Because the former wouldn't really be much of a fight since no, he's been wouldn't dead be. for about fifty years. Yeah, exactly. And the other is a fictional character. But anyway, um I I really like the ending too, where they threw in something from the cartoon, which was that in one of their encounters, um, Clayface escapes by faking his own death by letting his... Right, that's right out of Feet like, of Clay Part kiln, 2, where yeah. he makes him think he's dead from electrocution, but he really just left the shell behind and sort of... Yeah, well, in this case, and, it was a fire, but yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, in the cartoon, it was electrocution, yeah, but mm-hmm. leaving a shell behind to make him think he was dead is the... Yeah, is a classic. It's an old trick, yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed it. I like the, the, the moral quandary of it. I like the back and forth between the two. Um, I like that we get a really good deep sense of how uh, Clayface views himself as a hero and in the face of Batman's antagonism. I thought that was a really interesting and clear um, portrayal. And I just really enjoyed it. And I love the art. The art was really good. So It's kind of funny when you think about it that the, um, the Swamp Thing and Flash um, comics, the, these recent digital first comics are clearly drawing from the recent TV shows as their main yeah. you know, point of reference for new readers. But the Batman and Superman comics are just, the Batman comics especially, are basically just doing Batman the Animated Series. Like, I know. Because that is still bit. like the touchstone. That is still like the definitive version of Batman, even yeah. after almost 30 years. Yeah. Whereas I think it's pretty much inarguable at this, although, you know, Jeff Johns, Mark Wade's comic runs, but what is the definitive version of The Flash? It's probably the CW version. Like in terms yeah. of mm-hmm. like the, the public consciousness, right? Yeah. But Batman is still the Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, Kevin Conroy version. Like this is that version of Clayface, although they went the, with the original Basil Carlo name instead of Matt Hagen. It's still basically the same character, right? right? Mm-hmm. The Superman comic, although Lois and Clark are together, is basically could just uh, basically have been the Toy Man, a Toy Man episode from the cartoon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, no, but I, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying too. them also. But there's just fun little self-contained yep. stories. Um, Which one did you pick? So I picked Flash Fastest Man Alive number two, which nice. is similarly sort of this could be an this could have been a, an episode of the, of a non-existent Flash animated series, sort of yeah. setting up an eventual appearance by the Reverse Flash. But here, this person, the soldier from the future, comes to kill the Flash mm-hmm. because eventually his actions will lead to Eobard Thawne, you know, four hundred years from now, being right. influenced by Barry, experimenting on himself, becoming the Reverse Flash, and making everything horrible. Yeah. So she comes back to kill him first. And this is setting up. So these aren't quite as episodic, and they are episodic. But um, the Superman one, there was. It seems to be like there's sort of like little breadcrumbs that might pay off. The Swamp Thing one has references to the previous issue. Yeah. With the the seed that he destroyed, the Terminus seed. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like this Flash run is seeding in. Possibly things for later by for an eventual reverse flash appearance. Um, yeah, it was just a good, fun, self-contained flash story. Gail Simone. Um, I wouldn't say that one of her one of her top strengths is writing like a tight, you know, eighteen or twenty page self-contained story. I think she more excels in like the long form, like gradually getting to know the characters and sort of having them feel like family kind of vibe. Right. Um, so she's kind of flexing a different muscle here. I don't know if she's done a lot of like really 
self-contained stuff before. Nothing that I've read from her has been. Um, but she's she's good at it. But I think that, you know, that I think some of the other writers are, are doing, you know, perhaps a better job of telling a really good self-contained story. Like some of the, even some of the other stuff we've read, you know, like some of the, um, the Wonder Comic stuff, mm-hmm. like some of the early issues of Dial H for Hero or some issues of... Um, uh, Wonder Twins even were self-contained but still gradually built to this big thing. Yeah. I think that they're, you know, certain writers, it's just a different muscle. You know, not every, like, you know, there are people like Tom King that can tell a hundred issue Batman story that's great and a, a self-contained short Batman story and they're both, they both win awards. But, yeah. you know, it's just not everybody has that muscle or, or is necessarily, you know, and Flash is, is a character that she likes but I'm not sure, like, she tends to gravitate more towards the female characters, Wonder Woman, yeah. the Birds of Prey, um, so I, I don't know if the Flash is a character that she has a, a ton of affinity for, but she writes a good Flash, and again, it's very reminiscent of the TV version, sort of like the younger, more inexperienced, like season one era yes. Flash, and yeah. not not nearly like the, um, you know, the Barry Allen of the the main comics, which is like one kind of like one of the big brothers of the superhero community, not like a yeah. young rookie character, you know. But yeah, no, it was really good, and so it was a fun, self-contained story. The art by Clayton Henry was really colorful and fun. It was obviously he's not responsible for the color necessarily. <laughs> But it had that definitely had almost like an animated vibe to it, and his like his stuff always does. Yeah, it was it was nice and bright and exaggerated. I like it. Yep. Yeah. So should we move on to your pop quiz? I'm ready. So this week, because of the Star Wars news and the Star Wars shows we're going to be talking about later, I thought I would quiz. And you know, there's various holidays and things to celebrate this week. So of course, I'm going to be quizzing you about everybody's favorite holiday, Life Day. Oh. God. Okay. Okay. All right. So number one. Yeah. The concept of Life Day <laughs> was introduced in the Star Wars Holiday Special, uh-huh. as everyone knows. Which aired in what year? 1976. It, it did not air a year before Star Wars. That would have been <laughs> remarkably prescient, although perhaps a bit incomprehensible. No. So your choices are 1977, 1978, 1982, or 1983. I think it was 78. Sorry. Yes. It was the year after Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Number two. Life Day involves a journey to the tree of what? The tree of family, the tree of love, the tree of life, or the tree of hope? The Tree of Life. Correct. It's not called Love Day. Right. That's a different thing. Yeah. That involves bears, like Sir Hugs-a-Lot. <laughs> yes. And Sir Huggington. Mm-hmm. Same basic bear, Homer. All right, number three. <laughs> the Tree of Life is decorated with Life Day what? Orbs, stars, cubes, or streamers? Orbs. Correct, orbs. Number four. The Life Day feast involves eating the sacred blank roots. Is it Orga, Porga, Gorga or Borga? I would love it if it were Porga because that would explain why Porgs are a thing now and that'd be great. But um... Chewie's like, Life Day comes early this year. <laughs> exactly. I'm roast this sucker. Oh, no. Um, yeah, that's so sad. Um, I think it's just Orga. It is Orga. It is not, in fact, roots made from pianist slash comedian Victor Borga. Okay. All right. Orga roots are foraged from forests known as the what? Darklands, Deathlands, Shadowlands, or Rootlands? Rootlands. No, Shadowlands. Shadowlands. That's grim. All right. Correct. <laughs> it is grim. All right. So you got four <laughs> out of five. Yeah, I'll take it. You you really know your life day. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it was good guessing on my part. All right. So our shows. Mm-hmm. So Batwoman's back. Flash is back. We have another episode of Legends of Tomorrow. We have another episode of Harley Quinn. And we have the final two episodes of The Clone Wars. Yep. Wow. So Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of stuff, 
lot of stuff happening continues this one. to be awesome yep this one's really so good, good. it kind of brings to a head the whole there's a mole inside the crows mm-hmm. there's a conspiracy about who killed lucius fox and mm-hmm. what's going on there yeah i thought all that came to a head and then what's going on with alice and uh mouse right that's sort of its own separate thing in this one though yeah but, but i dig it brought a lot of the other threads together from from julia being back in town to kate's guilt to uh luke's desire to find out who killed his father to mm-hmm. the conspiracy inside the crows sophie being on the outs with mm-hmm. jacob sort of resolves all of that wraps jacob it all up. being ineffectual at his own job yeah <laughs> this actually would have if they didn't have two more episodes at least two that mm-hmm. they have in the can this actually would have made not a bad season finale yeah not very cliffhangery i mean there's alice continuing to scheme sure but it sort of wraps up a lot of the long-running threads and kate's arc yeah kind of you know in the sense of getting over her guilt for killing what's his name right yeah so they would have they would have made a decent finale, but I think they have at least a couple more in the can. So we'll see mm-hmm. how they actually end up ending it. But yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah, and Mary finally tells uh, right. Kate. Yeah, that comes that that sort of puts a button that on that, that, that yeah. arc also. Yeah, um, it did, not the way I expected that to come out. I thought for sure that uh, Kate make it, was going to make it like her. a bigger deal. Oh, you thought yeah. it would be on Kate? I, yeah, I thought I thought Kate would tell her, and Mary would be like, at finally. Least <laughs> at least I'm glad they didn't make a ton of melodrama about it. Like, how could you not have told me sooner? Don't you trust anyone? Yeah. You know, but I'm it also establishes, I really like that speech too, because it also establishes that they were sisters for a very long time, like stepsisters, and they knew each other for a very long time. Yeah, because Kate was what, like 12? When the accident happened, isn't that what they say in this one? I thought it was closer to 13. Well, it was just after that. <laughs> okay. Sorry, 13, 12, 14. 12, Sorry, I was going to say 12, almost 13. Yeah. Um, well, it was shortly after their bat mitzvah, which happens at age 13. Right. So. And then, um, and we know that um, Mary's mother, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, moved in on Jacob more or less immediately, <laughs> right? First by faking the bone things and then presumably. Yeah, what is her name? Oops. Doesn't matter. Catherine. Catherine, Catherine Hamilton, that's right? right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. presumably they at least became acquainted mm-hmm. within months. Yeah. With, certainly within a year after the death, which was like f- what fifteen years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's in her late twenties now. So yeah, they've known each other most of their lives, and have probably been sisters, you know, stepsisters almost for almost for that almost for that whole time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Flash. So this mm-hmm. was this was a good episode. So we get uh, a lot more movement on the whole black hole thing. Um, we get uh, Barry almost, you know, at the very top of the episode. So there had been one. We, this is not Flash's back. The second one that's been right. since it's been back. But we learn basically at the very top of the episode that Barry sus- knows that this is not Iris. So and good. Has suspected oh. for a while, but the, the her throwing him out was the the clincher. Button, yeah. I'm glad they didn't do. They did a little bit of the whole like nobody believes me. Yeah, thing a little with um, the with the ray gun that was inverted well, and all that. Yeah, yeah, this like a little bit, of, sort of a little bit of forced melodrama. But I like that it was at least believable. Yeah, like the the literal physical evidence in front of them was yes. saying that she was telling the truth and he wasn't. So who are they going to believe? Right. But I like that at least Cecile, she kind of had the the trump card of you know her sort of. So, uh, yeah. powers giving mm-hmm. her like a vibe that he is who, who I he like says that it is. called back to their conversation earlier when he was saying like look at me like I know in the bottom of my heart like I know that I'm right about this and all the evidence and it sounds crazy I get it but I still feel this way and I still trust my instincts like and then she has the same exact conversation for him later when she says like I don't know what's going on and all the evidence is pointing against you but I know in my heart that you are the real Barry so that was just that was a nice satisfying like I don't know volley mm-hmm. as it were. <laughs> and then the the mirror iris kind of kind of gets a sort of a soul of her own. The yeah. rest of, the rest of them just are following orders and they're going to break out blood work there. But she she 
She is has... a little hesitant to complete. At first, I was like, oh, is she developing feel feelings for Barry? And she doesn't right. want... Because it seemed like the first instances of her seeming like a little hesitant were ones where she was being told to be like really mean to him. Right. But I think it was more just that she was doubting the mission in general and that she was going to mm-hmm. have any sort of life yeah, at the autonomy. end of it if she just kept following orders. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she, she doesn't... I don't know, she didn't really sacrifice herself because she did fight Barry. Right. Um, but she sort of repents at the end and... You yeah, know, as, die, die I think she chooses arms. her own independence by, you know, making yeah. a different choice than what she's being commanded to do. And, and, that's what and Eva up. escapes, yeah. so she's out there now, but she still has mirror powers, I guess. So I kind mm-hmm. of expected her to walk out of the mirror and basically be like a, a normal, normal person. person with just like technology, like, you know, but it seems right. like she can still live in mirrors, I guess. Which um, is unexplained, yeah. But uh, but obviously Iris is still trapped in there as well as well as Cam- Camilla mm-hmm. and um, which is not... Chief. I almost wanted to call him chief, Commissioner because yeah. I've too many, too many Batman comments, but Chief <laughs> yeah. Singh yeah. Um, are in there somewhere too. And they have that nice moment at the end where they're on opposite sides of the mirror. Social distancing before it was cool. Yeah. Where they're on opposite <laughs> ends of the mirror. You're not, you don't necessarily need to be in different dimensions. Like six feet is really, right. really enough, guys. Yeah. Um, and they sort of have the thing where they have like, you know, the, yeah. the two halves of the, it of was the shot. And you know, they're both of them are on either sides and they sort of pour their heart out. And it's a very nice... Very nice moment for the actors, and yeah, no, it was it mm-hmm. was really good. I yeah. think we have two more left. Okay, good. I think there was seventeen, and we have eighteen and nineteen. Same with Supergirl. I think there's two left after this one, after the one we haven't watched yet. So Legends. This was the great British, the great British face-off. So this is basically Constantine and Zari back yes. in like the olden times. Um, with it, all of these back when his back them. when his mansion was like a boarding house, basically, mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of history's greatest villains. Um, Just aside, walk through his door. Aside from Jimmy Carter, uh, are there, and they're all there to get the uh, to get the final part of the. I almost said totem, <laughs> wrong MacGuffin, the um, loom. Yes, the, the loom, the final piece of the loom. Yeah. it's only a piece, so it's the ring that belonged to the. One of the, one of the things the show is really great at it is that pairing up really any two random characters mm-hmm. and giving them like a really interesting multifaceted Dynamic. relationship. Like, yeah. you wouldn't think that Constantine and Zari, or at least this version of Zari, yeah, would have. Like really, a lot of interesting stuff to play off of each other, but, but they end up developing a really, so well. really interesting relationship. Yep. And when they have almost like a little "will they, won't they" kiss at the Ooh. end, it feels earned, even though mm-hmm. we really haven't seen them interact much at all in the series, yeah, except same. for a little bit at the end of the last episode, where she sort of says, "My mission is to bring my brother back to life, and you're going to help me." Yep. Um, but within an episode, they build this really tight relationship between them yep. where you can kind of see and then when she gets back to the ship and she and Nate have a scene and he walks by and gives a look you're like oh is he into yeah. her now is this going to be like a love triangle kind of thing yeah yeah and the stuff with um with Rory and his daughter yeah and, and Ava trying to help him with that Sarah's still basically Sarah's in a coma throughout the entire episode yep um she must be directing and at the end again. they bring um Astra onto the ship. Yeah, so I know she's that was be great. A new crew member I love the way that they not, showed up. Uh, who was it? Nate and Charlie were set to guard the ship and do modifications to uh, Gideon's failing systems because subconscious Zari had worked something in this in the ship. But the two of them are like dressed in who knows what and uh, roasting marshmallows on something, drinking mai tais or whatever, totally goofing off. And then the they all come back. The other the rest of the team comes back from hell with Astra. And I just, I just like that moment. The, the show is really good at playing these great character beats. It's really funny. Yep. So. And so we have Harley Quinn. This was a Harley Quinn-less episode. Yeah. This was called Bat- Batman's Batman. 
and it's about Batman recovering from his <laughs> his injuries and trying to get back out there as a superhero. Meanwhile, Batgirl's kind of trying to cover for him. Alfred, as it turns out, is also kind of covering for him yeah. while at the same time convince, trying to convince him that he's not ready yet to go back out there. Bane and Two-Face are developing a sort of ten- tenuous, somewhat lopsided partnership. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah a lot of fun. I told you I was too much of a thinker. A lot of great Bane stuff, some, some fun stuff <laughs> between so Batman and Alfred, a lot of fun Batgirl stuff. Um, the armor that he puts on has got like the kind of like the Hellbat armor from yeah, the comics, like uh-huh. with, the, with the way the visor was sort of like a red, red Batman symbol almost. Of hmm. uh, some influences there, obviously some sort of like Nightfall vibes with him having a severe injury that he's got to recover from. I love that they're hinting at a rivalry between Lucius Fox and uh, Alfred at some point. Yeah, Lucius. as opposed to most, <laughs> as opposed to most most versions where you get the sense of like Lucius. Alfred and Leslie Tompkins, like the parents, we're, 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 like we're co-parenting. All, yeah, we're all kind of like yeah. super tight. Like they, they basically raised Bruce together as like the, I don't know what you want to call it, the brains, the heart, and the crumpets. I don't know what the <laughs> what the what the triumvirate would be there. The brains, the heart, and the crumpet. Oh, well, who would? Okay, crumpets. That's my favorite um, British folk band from the 1960s. Also, that's true. Um, and that banjo has a good sound. Yes. And so then we had the final two episodes of the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. so Shattered and Victory and Death. So Shattered was was mostly about they bring Maul, they say goodbye to Mandalore, they bring Maul aboard the the I'm not sure if they called them Star Destroyers back then. I'm not sure what they called them. The big you know wedge ships when they mm-hmm. were Republic and not Empire. Um, and the the sense of tension, like Order sixty six, doesn't happen until about halfway through the episode. But the sense of tension throughout that first half, because everybody in the audience knows what's happening, and the music mm-hmm. just had this sort of atonal synthetic sound that was like building throughout the whole thing. Not really, not really very Star Warsy. Almost something more like what you would hear maybe from the Mandalorian. Just right. a sort of synthetic atonal sound. Um, and then finally, Order sixty six happens. Rex. And all the clones turn on Ahsoka. She's got to fight her way out. She frees Maul to sort of sow chaos, create mm-hmm. a bit of distraction so she can get Rex, get the chip out of his head. And then together they're forced to figure out what to do. And then victory and death, they fight against <laughs> hundreds of clones with Ahsoka refusing to kill any of them. Although you got to think some of them were done in by some of the black. Like Rex was firing stun shots, but the clones weren't. She was deflecting a lot of those shots. you yeah. got to figure some of them must. But again, it's like if they want to crash the ship. Mm-hmm. If they don't, if they want to go down with the ship, that's their choice. If they want to fire lethal shots at me mm-hmm. and they die when I reflect them, that's kind of their choice. But I'm not going to like stab them or cut any of them, you know? Right. It's a little bit of but a distinction. But that's the nice thing is that when she was deciding, I mean, I think that a lot of the deflecting that she was doing, especially after she understands that the chip is making them act against their instincts and against their will, um, I feel like she is using kind of her force powers and her skill not only to deflect but to deflect with purpose like I don't think that any of those ricochets are actually killing anybody yeah I think you'd have to go back in slow motion and not see only if that but if you take anybody, a look but... at it in the first instance when she's really fully attacked if you take a look at it they 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 really um deliberately showed us that her deflections are going into the ceiling so that well, she can punch she a hole through there she was trying to it. like create a lot of smoke and stuff so she could escape but later. not about the smoke it's also about her being able to jump up and punch a well, hole yeah. in the ceiling but she needed to, to she needed to create a little bit of cover right so but i'm saying that even there that she was dis- she was deflecting with with intent with purpose and um a deliberate knowledge of where that ricochet was going to land so that's kind of 
important to know about her as a character because it means that nothing is going to happen by accident. Like she has full control over the situation. When she deflects something, she knows exactly where it's going to land and she's not going to harm her friends. So also important to note. Until the, the ship crashes and they all die. Well, yeah, but she was trying to prevent that. No, well, she wasn't really trying to prevent that. She was just, she wasn't going to be the one to kill them. She's like, yeah. if they want to bring about their own demise, so be it. But I'm not going to be the one who, yeah. who does it. Um, yeah, the ship goes down and then they bury everybody and she leaves her lightsabers behind. And so it, it's apparently... It's so that- up for interpretation too, because in that moment, was she... There, there's any number of ways that you could read it. Was she leaving it behind because she was done with the situation which i think that's my that's my read on it was she leaving it behind as a a sign like as a sacri- as a sacrifice to make sure that people who find it think that she also went down with the ship and they I think it's a little bit of both because done. the the books and stuff say that she created a that she and Rex made like a fake grave for herself so i guess the, the Yeah and then my cub- my question is who 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 buried them Well i think i think the i think the the idea is presumably that rex or some other clone or clones survived mm-hmm. buried everybody and then like died on the planet but ahsoka was not one of the survivors so whoever survived when they buried everybody they buried ahsoka also and when vader arrives at the end which we're going to talk about he finds a grave with her lightsabers there and presumably nothing in it because maybe the idea would be she was one of the people that was just incinerated in the in the crash. So the, right. so it was basically like a, an empty grave, but with her lightsabers there just to, to honor her. Mm-hmm. He finds that and he's like, oh, she's dead. And, you know, but then that the, some or that one or more clones must have survived and made graves for everybody. And then either. But nobody or, survived. I mean, it was a giant, giant ship crash. But we, we, some people did survive, right? Who? Well, Rex and Ahsoka survived. So it That's is. That's it. But, because they were on a different thing. Everybody else aboard was done. So, but so, but maybe maybe the maybe the Imperials just conclude that a few clones, the one or more clones, did it did manage to evacuate in shuttles and and buried all of their their soldiers Fallen and arms brothers, before yeah. either succumbing themselves or or leaving the planet. But they're not going to conduct an exhaustive search for a couple of clones. I suppose. Yeah. But the fact that the lightsaber was there and the fact that so far as Vader knows, none of those clones would have had any reason to try to deceive him because they were all loyal clones that were following Order 66. Mm-hmm. It was enough proof for him to conclude that she had died. Right. Hmm. But so how come she left one behind but not the other? I have to go back and look. I Didn't she? She, lo- she lost she, one, didn't she? I thought she? she lost both, to be honest. Well, maybe they found one after the crash, but yeah. it doesn't really matter. But I, I think that's a, such a cool way of ending it because... Um, they go off. We know that you know. Yeah. We see what happens to them later in Rebels, obviously, but but it's a it's probably a significant time jump, like probably at least five years, maybe even more. The biggest indicator being the uh, change over from the clone army storm to stormtroopers. Yeah, stormtroopers, the Imperial probe droids from Empire are there and everything like, and that change from clones to stormtroopers that was like a gradual phasing mm-hmm. out of the clones. It didn't happen. It was like, okay, guys, you guys are done. Yeah. Well, here's here's Thanks the new stormtrooper uniforms. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they need because the stormtroopers aren't clones; those are like recruits or conscripts. They would have needed time right. to train Kidnapies, them, and, and yeah. you know. So it's probably been well. No, that was more of a first order thing. Yeah, the the, em- the empire they were like they were the big thing. Like even Luke in A New Hope was wanting to go off and join the academy. Mm. That was just what you did if you wanted to see the stars, as you joined the empire, right? Yeah. Those, they were the only game in town if you wanted to fly ships and, and yeah. you know, shoot blasters and have adventures and stuff. They, yeah. they kind of kept a lot of their most evil stuff on the down low, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but it's years later and, you know, 
the the there were probe droids imperial probe droids there so you get the sense that for years vader is probably kind of like how at the beginning of empire he's been sending probe droids all over the galaxy to try to find luke yeah um because in between four and five he discovered that luke was his son um here it's he's probably had probe droids scouring the galaxy for years trying to find ahsoka she's like the last living person that he cares about at all right Mm -hmm. and then he finally finds you know the probe droids the probe droids probably found her lightsaber is probably what you know, or yeah. the, or the crash ship because they would have probably had record of what ship she yeah, was on, yeah. and they would have just thought it was lost with all hands or something like that. Yeah. And they find it, they call it. They're like, "Oh, it's crashed. There's no survivors." He's like, "I'm going to come and see this for myself, right?" So he gets there and he finds a lightsaber. He ignites it. It's like the only time we see Darth Vader holding a blue lightsaber, and it's like this last little bit of light. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But then he turns it off and walks away, and it's like that's it. That was the last. You know, that was it. That was you lost. Yeah. You know, all of his Jedi, all of his friends, Padme. right? His mother, obviously, Qui-Gon, Padme. Obviously, you know, he knows Obi-Wan is out there, but that's, you know, <laughs> he's not friends with him anymore. He hated him by the end. Yep. Um, this was like the last lingering vestige of his goodness, like the last family that he had, and yeah. she's dead too. You yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he really informs when they meet, see each other like 15 years later in Rebels why he was so angry with her. It's like, you were out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you you could have you could have found me. You know, you could have helped me. You could have been with me. You could have you know. Yeah. And you know, because he, he hates for you, he, and not he, only that, but he like hates I, he hates yeah. what he's become. He just doesn't see any way out of it. He's like, well, I'm committed now. This is who I am. I might as well be super evil, right? Yep. But if he'd known that she was out there, if she could have you know, come and and talked to him or helped him or something, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe I wouldn't have become the monster that I became, right? Yeah. So, and 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 it's true to a certain extent, right? Like. She didn't, did she know, she she didn't know that Anakin was, well, I don't know. When we see her in Rebels, it's like. She knows. She kind of, well, we kind of see the scene where she learns it for sure. But mm-hmm. we, even early on, it's been years since I watched these, but I kind of feel like we get the sense that she suspects, like she senses it. But then I feel like we see the scene where they're actually in close proximity for the first time in 15 years and she feels it and she's like, it's him, right? Mm-hmm. She says master or something like that, right? So. And he senses her and he knows that she's alive. Yeah. I kind of really want to go back and watch some of those Ahsoka I do episodes too. of Rebels now yeah. just, just to see how they followed followed up from this. Um, we should do, just for fun. But Let's do it. But it's really cool. And it's such a great ending too, like because the show was it's called The Clone Wars, but it was about the clones and it was about the, the clones, specifically Rex and Ahsoka, were mm-hmm. like the signature characters of the show because they were the original characters created for the show. Yeah. And to have the show end with the the graves of all of the clones yeah. right like the clones are done now their time is over it's all about the empire now and to have it end with ahsoka's lightsaber being extinguished amidst the graves of all of these clones and now the, the republic is gone the jedi are gone now all that's left is vader and the stormtroopers it's yeah. the empire and the last shot we get is this wrecked clone trooper helmet reflecting vader as he walks away from those graves and it's mm-hmm. like we're you know He's leaving the last remnants of it behind. And, you know, we're seeing the Empire one last time through the lens of the clones, these mm-hmm. characters that we've gotten to know as individuals over the course of seven seasons. Yeah. You know? I really think it was a, a really nice way of ending it. I'm surprised they didn't. Find, the one thing I'm a little surprised at is they didn't find some way of, of maybe weaving Obi-Wan in there one more time because there's his message that he sent out to all the Jedi that we saw again in Rebels. Oh, yes. Um, saying, don't the Jedi are gone, the Republic is gone, don't come to Coruscant, don't come to the temple, save yourselves, try to keep hope alive. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is the last message of Obi-Wan Kenobi, basically, and then he signs off and nobody hears from him for 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, it would have been sort of interesting to see Ahsoka get that message at the end and say, okay, maybe there is still some hope. Obi-Wan at least is out there, or at least he survived the initial purge. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and try to, 
you know, try to keep the Jedi alive somehow. But it ended. But it. But it, it. That would have been ending more on a hopeful note. This really ended on. I mean, we know that she ending, and Rex survived, yeah. but it's really ended on a downer note. Like, yeah, uh, everything we knew over these seven seasons is gone. Now there's only the Empire and Vader. Yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really, really dark, dark ending. Um, but it all turns out okay for pretty much all those characters, <laughs> even even Vader to a certain extent. Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a really good ending. I mean, I see people saying, "Oh, you know, more." They should do more. They should do more Clone Wars. And you could do you more. Could. Because the old show jumped around in time all the time. Sure. Like they went back and told stories that were prequels to other stories, like that introduced clones. We saw we saw the training of a bunch of clones that we had already seen as right. veterans. And yeah. so the old show jumped around in time. All the, that's why people do these chronological Clone Wars rewatches. Oh, funny. Where they watch like episodes from season four before the episodes from season one, because technically they take place not in Right. The They're order going they in the time continuity, not the air so, date order. So they could yeah. do more episodes and either animate some of the episodes, some of the stories that were going to be in the final season mm-hmm. um, that we didn't get to see. There was going to be Cad Bane was going to come back and have like a duel with with young Boba Fett, and there was going to be other other stories about you mm-hmm. know the, some final stories of the clones and stuff like that. But um, and it would be cool to see like maybe one more story with with Padme and some of the other characters mm-hmm. that really didn't get much in this season. But and they could do that. They could have like you know the lost episodes or something and have them or do like a, a mini series. Mm-hmm. Of stories like little an, an anthology, maybe even short stories that take place at different points in the timeline. Yep, they could do, but I think that this is, you know, this is obviously the end. And I think that you know this is over. Resistance is over. We have no idea what's coming next. There's all these persistent rumors about a Rebels sequel series focusing on Sabine and Ahsoka, like <laughs> ser- searching for pick Ez- up from there, searching where that for Ezra and Thrawn, yeah. which is what everybody's been asking for for like two years. Yeah. And there are rumors that we may get something like that. Um, that would be cool, and that would be a day another Dave Filoni show. But is he is he even does he even have the time to be his hands on? Because Clone Wars was his baby, and even though he's super busy now with like helping to run the Mandalorian and writing and directing some of those episodes, mm-hmm. Clone Wars was his baby. It was his entree into the Star Wars. He was personally, I mean, we've seen him talk about the story recently in interviews. He was basically personally tapped by George Lucas to come in and work on. Clone Wars when mm-hmm. there, there was no Lucasfilm animation you know they were starting it and Clone Wars was going to be it and he was brought in by George Lucas to kind of be his his guy yeah and by the end of it he like he Dave Filoni wrote all four of these he wrote this entire last last four episodes like he and he didn't he wasn't he's not a writer by trade right right, right. he's an he's an artist yeah. he's a storyboard artist yeah. and, you know and it ultimately he was running the show and writing the final four episodes by himself so yeah. this is his this is a very personal show to him this is the show that got him started in Star Wars yeah. you know um, so good. Even more personal to him than Rebels, I would think. You yeah. know, and and even though Rebels is probably a sh- his Rebels was his show in the way that Clone Wars was his and George Lucas's show, right? You know that he kind of inherited mm-hmm. when Lucas sort of left. Yeah. Um, and Boris Rebels was his from the beginning, but I still think that this show ha- has a very special place in his heart, and so I think that. You know, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy for him to want to revisit some of these characters again here and there, but he already kind of gets a chance to do that. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's other stories you can tell with Vader, right? Yeah. And with Obi Wan. Yep. And you know, he's continuing to still stories are t- still being told about Ahsoka, right? Yep. And Rex with Re- Rebels and other stories in the Rebels timeline. Yep. Um. So you still have most of those characters that you can tell stories about. It doesn't need to be more Clone Wars. Yep. It could be more Rebels, or it could be some other third thing. You know, mm-hmm. but I, some something it would be kind of nice, wouldn't it, to have it kind of be like a trilogy, Clone Wars, Rebels, and then whatever this next thing is, yeah. and have it be like three, the three, I don't know, three 
parts of Ahsoka's life, with Ahsoka being the one constant between the three, you know? Because by the time we get to some Rebel sequel series, yeah. Rex is still around, but obviously Vader and Padme and Obi-Wan are all gone. The clones are gone. Right. You know, the other Jedi are gone. The only constants would be Rex and Ahsoka, I guess, right? Yeah. But to have them be the through line between all three series mm-hmm. and, and to have it sort of be, okay, the Republic era, the Rebellion era, yep. and then the New Republic era, because by this time we'll be post-Return of the Jedi, the New Republic is being formed. And so to have it be the three so the three main eras of Star Wars, you yep. know, Republic, Rebellion, Resistance, basically, or yeah. Republic, Rebellion, New, New Republic, because there's no First Order yet, so there's no Resistance, only a few years after Return of the Jedi. And to see the, those three eras through the lens of Ahsoka and mm-hmm. Rex and have that sort of be a trilogy of TV series, that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I would like. And that's what most of the fans are clamoring for is basically Rebels too. You know what I mean? But yep. the fans always want more of the things they love. So yeah. it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they're going to do it. But I mean, they made him the head of Lucasfilm Animation. There's going to have to be more Lucasfilm Animation, right? Right mm-hmm. now we know about nothing. Yeah. Right? People thought Resistance was going to run for years. It ended after two seasons and now there's nothing. So there's got to be something else coming from him. And so we'll have to wait and see what it is unless his new duties with the Mandalorian supersede animation. But I have to think animation, I mean, that's his trade. That's his first love. You know, he gets to come in and, and help do the Mandalorian, but that's only eight episodes every year and a half or so, right? Yeah. He might direct one. He might help, you know, run it a little bit, but that's that's not as day-to-day as running, as doing like 20 episodes of animation every year would be, you know? Yep. And this animation had, takes such there's such a long lead time whatever this next thing is they've probably been working on it for a year a year and a half right the, the season has probably been recorded already like if ashley Eckstein, if there's going to be a rebels 2 ashley Eckstein is recorded already and just isn't saying you know what i mean yep. so i have to think we're going to find out soon i don't know when star wars celebration is this year i imagine it's not even happening with the quarantine but they might still do some online event like yep. a lot of other things are doing I have to think that sort of in the next few months we'll hear. I have to think they're, they're if they're, if anything, they were waiting until mm-hmm. Clone Wars ended so as not to steal its thunder. Yeah. To let it have that finality. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is because Rebels is over. Maybe this is the last time we'll see Ahsoka. We don't know, right? Yeah. Um, barring any potential live action appearances <laughs> that, that may or may not be rumors. Um, yeah. So maybe they want to just sort of let it have its finality, let it sit. And then in three or four months, they'll say, we're doing this new show. You know, yep. Star Wars, Unknown Regions, you know, featuring, you know, Ahsoka, Rex, and Sabine yep. going off to search for Ezra and Thrawn and the Unknown Regions or wherever they got teleported to, right? Yep. Yeah, I think that would be cool. But yeah, this was a great ending. To a, to a, The music was fantastic of these two episodes, too. They Agreed. really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Um, and, and the animation, like, like yeah. the set pieces, like the the battle aboard, the I mean the the fight with Maul we talked about, but the all the the fights with all the many many clone troopers on the on the ship here, yeah. And then and when the ship was, was cra- and then the ship crashing so and coming apart action. and the smoke yeah. and then Ahsoka sort of falling, free falling, trying to through the wreckage catch the ship. Yeah. You notice how that was almost certainly intended to bookend this. Yes, movie more or less, right? Yeah. But the the first she jumps the, out of the, the first plane and races her, her way down. Like, coming down like basically yep. free falling onto Mandalore and ends with her free falling from the ship you know what I mean yep mm-hmm. yeah really good really yeah, good it's very good yeah that's that it for thoroughly, our shows thoroughly enjoyable um, yeah so if you want to reach out we have an email address mailbag at smartspodcast.com on twitter we are at smartspodcast on facebook it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast and our website is www.smartspodcast.com how about a funny sound for us I don't have one how about Ooh, is that an explosion? Yeah. Very good.